Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Batman by the Numbers podcast. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Cohen. Uh, first and foremost, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we have not done a rankings episode in a while, but we got a great one today. Uh, so instead of going around the table and talking about what we're all thankful for, uh, I'm going to be arguing, debating with my esteemed panel. Uh, who's on that panel today? Well, we have a man who does so many podcasts. He's like a real-life clayface, just morphing into whatever topic he desires. Uh, it is podcast editor of thepopbreak.com, Alex Marcus. Alex, hello. Hey, Dan. Happy Thanksgiving. So happy to be here. Happy Thanksgiving for sure. Um, also, making his return to the podcast. He was actually on our second-ever episode when we ranked Batman villains. Uh, that was a wild one. Um, you, of course, know him from the Blurred Watchers podcast on thepopbreak.com also at the time of this re- of recording this uh we are playing each other in the pop break fantasy football league um last time i checked it was very close uh we have marshall stevenson marshall welcome back to the podcast that was the second episode that that that, that i was on that's the interesting second ever episode of the Batman by the numbers podcast we had to do it. we had to jump right into villains it is a pleasure <laughs> yes great to be thanks thanks for both of you for joining me today uh so all right like i said we got a rankings episode today and uh if you are a diehard comic book fan you're gonna like this one we have some real deep cuts today uh i believe it was a year ago we ranked the batman allies who have been in live action movies well, now we're going to flip it. Today's topic is ranking the Batman allies who have not been in a live action movie who we most want to see. So there you go. And I'm just going to put this out there right now. Uh, some of these characters we included, I only know in passing. So I will just admit up front, I needed to do a lot of Wikipedia reading this weekend. Okay. So I've said, I said this before, I'm a movie guy first, comic book guy second. Uh, so I'm really going to lean into my more uh, knowledgeable colleagues here on some of these. Uh, so how did that affect my personal rankings on these characters? Uh, I will say this, knowing less about a character in some cases helped. Uh, so before I tell everyone who's on the table, just for me personally, he, you know, here's how I approach this list is certainly iconic stature mattered, uh, but also characters who I found to be redundant in the Batman world, I ranked lower. So I weighed heavily on this criteria. You know, if you bring something new and unique to the table in the Batman world, I was going to rank you higher. So that was just me. But we're going we're gonna to see how this all played out. This will be interesting. So let's get into it. Who is on the table? All right. We have 12 names, 12 characters. We have an army of Robins, uh, Jason Todd, also who became the Red Hood, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne, and we cheated a bit on this next one, Dick Grayson. Yes, Dick Grayson is on the list, even though the character has been in three live action movies, but we've never seen Nightwing before. So he made the cut. Also on the table is Barbara Gordon. Technically, we have not seen this character in a movie yet. We saw Barbara Wilson in Batman and Robin, but not Barbara Gordon. Uh, and while a ba- Barbara Gordon Bat- Batgirl movie was made, it was not released. Yeah, not a big story at all when that happened. Very under the radar. Anyway, speaking of Robins and Batgirls, Stephanie Brown is on the list. I told you there are some deep cuts. 
Uh, Stephanie Brown has been both Robin and Batgirl, as well as the spoiler. Uh, other costume heroes on the list, we have Kate Kane as Batwoman, Helena Wayne as Huntress. Uh, now, Huntress was in the Birds of Prey movie, but it was the Helena Bertinelli version. Um, we have Luke Fox, aka Batwing, another deep cut. Um, we have Gene Paul Valley as Azrael, who was also Batman for a time in the comic books. Speaking of Batman, yes, everyone relax. Batman Beyond is represented here. Terry McGinnis on the list. And then lastly, moving away from the costumed allies, an animated series favorite, Harvey Bullock. Uh, so that's the list, 12 names. Also, speaking of Batman Beyond, um, I want people to know this. I wanted Ace the dog on this list. I fought hard for Ace, but Alex Marcus, our podcast editor, denied Ace the dog. That's right. Alex Marcus took a giant red pen and crossed out poor Ace the dog. Wow. Alex, people love dogs. I mean, care to explain yourself? Listen, no one likes dogs more than I do, but, you know, a crime-fighting dog in a live-action movie, I think that's something that is a topic for another time. Maybe a good topic for the show down the road, but I don't know if live-action pets who fight crime need to be competing neck-and-neck with Damian Wayne or Barbara Gordon. Uh well, I don't know. Maybe someday James Gunn will make a Ace the Dog in Cosmo from the Guardians of the Galaxy team movie where they can take on Fat Cat from Rescue Rangers. All right. Enough dilly-dallying. Uh, all right. You guys know the drill. The three of us did our own individual rankings. 12 characters. So 12 points for a first place vote and down the line. So I mm. combined all the numbers. That's it. Let, we're ready to go. Let's do it. Are you guys ready to find out who got dead last? I can't wait. I have yeah. my suspicions, but I, I look forward to as, finding as out. As do I. This is going to be interesting. So, uh, even though none of us had this person last on their, on their list, um, I can see why he got last place. I... I do not dislike this character or anything, um, but when we talk about redundant characters, he, he is honestly the first person I think of. So apologies to Tim Drake fans, but Tim Drake dead last on this list. Whoa. Uh, yeah. I, Mar now, Marshall, you and I were lockstep here. We both had him 10th, so third mm. to last. Mm. Um, Alex, you didn't have him super high, but you did have him seventh. And so, yes, based on that reaction, I'm sure I'm sure you're a bit sad in that he finishes dead last year. So I'll throw it to you first on this one. Why why should we care about Tim Drake? Well, for one thing, he's probably the smartest Robin that there is, right? He's the one that figures out who Bruce is, that Bruce is Batman. He figures that out on a, all on his own. That's basically his kind of like uh, audition, his job interview to become Robin, right? Robin, Red Robin, he's gone by in the past. He's so smart. He's so talented. He is kind of like the heir apparent to like detective Bruce Wayne as Batman. Uh, and he's just got so many great comic stories to pull from over the years. Like there is this sort of sense of, you know, Batman, Bruce, he's worked with Dick. Dick has moved on to be this kind of like hero in his own right. And then there's Jason Todd, who is this fa fallen uh, member of the Bat family, right? This 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 deep wound that Bruce carries around yeah. uh, for so long. And then Tim is there basically showing Bruce that there's that there's life after his failures, right? That there that there's a possibility for more out there. So I think he's a compelling character from the Batman perspective. And I think he's a compelling character on his own. He's got a lot of really good stories with some other characters that are on this list. Uh, he's kind of the true believer in Bruce in a lot of ways, because I think he sees him less like that parent figure and more like a, a partner in a way that a lot of the other characters in the Bat family get a little bit, the lines get more blurred. So mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that he's a really strong character and I'm 
shocked to see him at in 12th behind some of the other characters here. Well, we're we're going to get get into some of the math here, but like so basically, okay, I you know what to be fair to Tim Drake too is I I did I meant to put I'm going to go into my little spiel here. I meant I meant to put this on my list that you're right, figuring out he did figure out that Bruce Wayne was Batman. We got to give him a lot of points for that. I didn't mean to put that in my list here. I forgot. Um so look look again, like there's nothing wrong with the character for me. He's he's just a dude. I mean, and again, like you said, maybe I'm sure there's a great Tim story, Tim Drake story out there that I have not read yet. Um, but he, for me, just like my knowledge of Tim Drake is he kind of reminds me of the guy in Deadpool who gets recruited that doesn't have any mutant powers, Peter. Like he's just Peter. He's just Tim Drake to me. Uh, and going back to what I said at the beginning of this podcast, I just... With some people on this list, um, it was an advantage if I didn't know anything about them. Because I have actually seen Tim Drake in a fair amount of media, um, which kind of hurt him a little bit. Because let's be honest, that last season of the Batman animated series where they redesigned all the characters, like it had its moments here and there, but it was by far the worst season of that show. Um, and Tim Drake was a big part of that last season. And he wasn't bad. He just didn't really bring anything to the table for me. Um, even in the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker movie, which was awesome, he plays a central part but he's only interesting as a plot device that's it so in no, moments Tim Drake we, fans don't talk about that that we that we just choose not to acknowledge that that happened <laughs> I, 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 I mean that, that's a topic for another day i do really like that movie but I, i'm just saying that in moments when he's gotten the opportunity to be on the big stage just for me he hasn't really delivered um so yeah that's that's why i have him towards the bottom here didn't have him last i had him 10th but it's just like Here's the thing. In a sea of Robins, he's out to deep sea. It's like all the other all the other Robins have a deal. Dick Grayson has a cool backstory, and just by virtue of being the first Robin, he's gonna he's going to stand out more. Jason Todd, he died as Robin and came back. Iconic story. Damian Wayne is half an Al Ghoul and has a strong personality. We'll talk about that later. Very memorable Robin for me. And I, I actually I think it was Damian Wayne at one point in a comic book who even calls out the fact that everybody forgets about Tim Drake. I'm pretty sure that happened in one of the early new 52 storylines, uh, which is pretty funny. So yeah, Tim Drake, I, I don't dislike him, but just there's just a lot of apathy for me towards this character. Um, Marshall, you also had him towards the bottom. Tim Drake, go for it. Your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you kind of summed up my thoughts, honestly. Um, but to give a, a slightly different spin, a lot of my uh, considerations here for these rankings were how many Batman movies would they have to make? to get down to this character for them to be compelling or to provide something new. And I just felt like Tim Drake was just one of those characters that we may not see live action for maybe another 20 years um, of Batman films, possibly. Uh, and yeah, he's, he's just a guy like Alex made a great case. Uh, and, and, and in my research, I was like, oh, okay, cool. But there's everyone here is cool somehow, but it's how compelling could this person be in live action after everything that we've seen and if they announced that, oh, Tim Drake's going to be the Robin in the next Batman movie, people would be mad. There's there are multiple things that they can do before people would be uh, accepting of Tim Tim Drake being in the next Batman film. So he got pretty he got pretty uh, ranked pretty low for me. Yeah, and and again, I I it, it is we get we do have to give him props for you know deducing the identity of Bruce Wayne. That is his big claim to fame. But yeah, it's just again you know Tim Drake solid but just you know for me and it sounds like for you too marshall just nothing super memorable here and fortunately that's just why he got last but um we'll circle back on why ultimately he got to last in a little bit here because we're gonna move on and it's a tradition we always get ties on these lists always 
We have one right here. Um, so no 11th place. Tied for 10th, we have Helena Wayne, also known as Huntress, and Harvey Bullock tied for 10th. You guys suck, but we'll get to Bullock later. And I'll explain, I will explain why you're both wrong, but we're going to, we're going to start with Helena Wayne. Uh, so it was really Marshall who buried her here. Um, Marshall, you had her second to last. Um, Alex, you were the highest at six. I had her nine. Um, and I'll just admit, I knew absolutely nothing about this character. I'll be, I'll be very quick here. I bumped her up a little bit because as opposed to just being another Batgirl or Batwoman or Robin, Huntress at least is a bit more unique. And in breezing through the Wikipedia article, um, you know, she's the daughter of Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle in some alternate universe or something. Uh, in the article, it talked about how she wrestled with her mom being a criminal, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and I bumped her up because Huntress uses a crossbow, and th- which is cool. So to quote Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. And, I, and look, again, I ranked her higher than someone like Tim Drake and a couple others that we'll get to soon enough because she at least brings something new to the table, you know, as Huntress is this kind of rogue vigilante who's not like really part of the Bat family. So she's kind of interesting in that way, uh, which is, I guess, is more of an argument for the spirit of the Huntress character in general, as opposed to Helena Wayne specifically. But whatever, Huntress is fine. Um, Marshall, second to last. Why so low? Outside of her being the baby of uh, Batman and, and Selena Kyle, it's literally selena kyle's story but i just feel like everything about batwoman was done better than whatever was done that i was able to find for helena wayne and it's just it's a retread it's redundant and again how many films need to come out before somebody is excited to hear that helena wayne is in a batman film i i i I can't see any large contingent of people being celebratory of that announcement and Warner brothers doesn't know how to make movies now anyway. So it's not like they're going to do the character justice for whatever it is. I I mean, I was just, I was completely for her, um, for what I, from what I read and what I understand. Um, yeah, just didn't, she didn't do anything for me. I think I mostly agree with your criteria here. It's like, I, I do, like, I, I think the Huntress character on its own can work well in a live action movie. And I mean, we've seen it. I, and, you know, she was fine in Birds of Prey. Yeah. Um, just, you know, that movie was hit or miss for me. Um, very good in some parts, little, little frantic in some other parts. Um, but we'll, we'll end it on the positive side for Helena Wayne. Alex, um, what is, I mean, sixth place. So what is it about this character that intrigues you? You guys are just killing my darlings on this list, man. Okay, so here's here's the deal. I understand that the character of Helena Wayne as the Huntress in the comic books, they never really did that much with her. She's not like an iconic character. But for me, it's all about potential here, right? Some of the best comic book movies have been built around characters that didn't necessarily have the best runs or had runs that were so kind of like crazy and out there that you couldn't possibly condense it into a movie. So they kind of just took the loose idea of who that character is and they molded it into something that worked in a film and i think that Mm -hmm. the helena wayne character is a perfect example of story potential in that vein she Mm. is the daughter of selena kyle and bruce wayne from an alternate earth i mean i feel like that sells itself like that there's so much fun potential you can get her as like a 25 year old running around with like a 35 year old batman who is also like the alternate universe version of her dad she has like a whole lifetime of 
this kind of complicated, messy relationship of Batman and Catwoman and the love hate dynamic that brings them together and tears them apart. Just like, just like at war within herself, right? Is she going to go towards the dark side? Is she going to go to the light? Does she resent her parents? Does she resent one more than the other, right? There's so much potential there. And then she's popped into an alternate universe from her perspective into the mainline universe where she has to run around with this version of her dad and maybe her mom too. And what does that do? There's just so much fun story potential. I feel like it's the most unique kind of story than anyone else on this list. And I would love to watch that movie. And I think you could make it tomorrow. I don't think you need to wait 20 years to do it because you don't need to build for it. You don't need to see like baby Helena Wayne, you know, be born. And then 15 years later, oh, now she gets to be, she just pops out of a portal. She's in another universe. How did she get there? We don't know. She's like really messed up. I'm surprised that they didn't do it on TV yet because it it just feels like such a a TV uh, storyline where you could really get a lot of great drama out of it but i would love to see a movie uh handle that material and i'll just like and alex i know you're saying like oh you, you know you guys are killing my darlings here let me let me make you feel a little bit better about this because i had her ninth which is low <laughs> but like even but you know i still i ranked i knew nothing about this character like nothing but even from what you were just saying and then kind of the, comparing that to the little i read about her like you know there was some intrigue there which is why i even had her ninth um so yeah i just i need to learn more about her but that is Helena Wynn. i will say i yes. said that i'm surprised it hasn't been on tv technically it kind of was on tv because the birds of prey show that ran like three episodes back in 2002 uh technically was around this character although she didn't know her parentage at the start of the show and i think that was going to be something that she was going to learn uh eventually but that show got canceled very quickly so technically we say, did it, it even did it even get through the first season i remember no show. it did not make it through its whole first season oh, yeah. i think it i think it went less than six episodes if i remember correctly but they did get invited to the crisis on infinite earth's crossover in the Arrowverse. so at least that was nice we got one scene with them but yeah so uh Almost, almost had a shot at Helena Wayne a, a long, long time ago. I feel like we're ready. We're ready for it again. Well, speaking of the Arrowverse, Arrowverse I might talk about that a little bit later. Um, but all right, moving on. And like I said, um, we had a tie for 10th. All right, let, let's let's get to Bullock. This, this is the only ranking I'm really upset about. The rest of this yeah, list, I'm why fine Why do you with. care about this guy? Just, He's just I'm going to tell you right. Justice, <laughs> please, for, justice for Harvey Bullock. I okay. Listen, listen. I, I think that a lot of listeners are going to be in my camp on this one. Everyone okay. listening, I want you to know this. I had Harvey Bullock number two. What? Two. Absolutely not. Now, and ultimately, not. Explain this, yourself. This, okay. This, and this is why Tim Drake got last, by the way, because here, here's the thing. Because I had Harvey Bullock number two. These jerk faces both had Bullock dead last. De- yeah, this of is course. Great. This is outrageous. Okay, we hold on, hold on. If me and we, Alex agree on something, we, then, then we're right. We, if, if we both talk, of us have a consensus, we, we're right. My case right here. We talk about redundant. We talk about redundancy, and we have all these Robins and Batgirls and all these other costume crime fighters. Now, okay, and look. To be fair, it's the Bat you, Family. We. To be fair, you both have more knowledge on all these characters. So maybe there are comics on these characters that really hit home for you and Bullock just never did. That's fine. And I fully admit that growing up on the animated series and also being a fan of the Gotham series, which I reviewed for the popbreak.com for a long time. Okay. I have more of a, I have more of an emotional connection to this character. So here's my case. Certainly all these other characters bring something unique to the table. But due to the fact that they are costume crime fighters, there's going to be a lot of overlap between them. Bullock is a totally different animal and a guy I think 
would be a phenomenal addition to a Batman movie. And there is way more depth to this character than people give him credit for, which is very apparent in one of my all-time favorite episodes of the animated series, A Bullet for Bullet. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of this slob, this irritating, loner, sarcastic cop walking around a Batman movie. And he would also bring so much great humor to a Batman movie, but it would be organic. You know, he's not like a Marvel character just firing off quips every two seconds. He's very dry, but it's all very genuine. And despite the fact that he's so unlikable, gets under people's skin, and has so many bad habits, what makes him interesting is despite all his flaws, other than Gordon, he's probably the most honest and uncorrupt cop in Gotham City, and truly cares about the law, which is why he's no fan of Batman, which also makes for an interesting conflict. I think it took them a little while to figure out this character, because there's not much to him in his role in Mask of the Phantasm, but what's great about the episode of the animated series that I referenced is even though Batman and Bullock hate each other, they respect each other. And even though Bullock is this very hard-boiled character, there is a subtle sadness to him, and it's a character I think would be great to explore in a movie. And I can totally see him working in the Reeves world, and I think he would be a great James Gunn character. So that's my thing on Bullock, but you guys clearly disagree. Dead last for my guy Bullock. Uh, Marshall, why dead last? Because, 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 FM, that's why. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing about Harvey Bullock being uh, on a list with actual Bat Family people that makes me put him over anyone in the actual Bat Family that I would like to see on film. Mind you, Harvey Bullock has probably, if I, if I did a deep cut search, I feel like Harvey Bullock has been in at least two Batman movies, but it doesn't matter because he doesn't matter. He is a cop. He, he serves whatever, whatever service the, the, the people who are making the film need at that given point in time. Oh, they need somebody who's doubtful of Batman, who's going to speak out about Batman, who's going to do this. Like I went through the wiki. I understand that he's a, a, a deep character. He has nuance. He he does have some great characterizations, but on a list of actual Bat family members, he's the, he's outside the club. He can't even get in. Why are we Why are we doing this? Why are you doing this to yourself, Dan? I, I just I think I really because I so I get I think I get your argument about if you're really if you're really hitting home on the Bat family aspect, then I get it. Um, because that's true. He's not really part of the Bat family at all. Um, I just I here was my criteria and why I ranked him so high is I really looked at the at this list and I'm like, who can make for some interesting plot lines in a movie? And I especially think in the Reeves world and especially a character and especially a director like James Gunn, I think could do great things with this character, which is why I'm ranking him so high. Um, Alex, you also have him ranked last. Go ahead. Just my, my poor guy Bullock here. Putting him at number two is completely insane, Dan. He is just a generic police officer who works for the Gotham. He's not even the most interesting Gotham cop. Like, Renee Montoya is right there if we want to just make it. She's great, too. We like, probably should have included Renee Montoya, too. The, although, I, I, yeah, she may have been in a movie, though. I can't quite remember. I, I don't know. I don't think she has. But she doesn't technically count as a Bat family because she's really, like, she becomes the question, which is, like, a whole other thing that's not super related to Batman. She just happens to be in Gotham them sometimes so but like she might have been in the nolan verse i think i think she was um she was the doctor or she was the police officer who's uh who got um 
brought in because her mom oh, needed yeah, uh, that's who care. I was thinking of too. I just yeah, yeah I, I think I mean, that was I've her. seen that movie like eighty five times. I should probably know this, <laughs> but I I can't I can't quite remember if that was the official name of the character. But yes, I, mean, I think we're yeah. thinking of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that Harvey Bullock was in the Nolan movies too, because there was just a generic, like slightly overweight detective who's like, Oh, I don't like Batman. That was, so was like, <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, they're totally so, different characters. That guy is like a corrupt police officer, whereas Bullock is actually like, yes, he has a lot of sure. bad habits, but he's actually not a corrupt police officer. Okay, dokie. Are you his PR rep, Dan? I don't understand I, what's listen, happening. I don't I understand just, why you're doing this to yourself. Like, First of all, I would just cha- I would challenge both of you to rewatch the animated episode A Bullet for Bullock. Give him a chance. He's also, he is like, and again, I like I said at the top, I, I really did like the Gotham series. And I have an, a connection to that series because I did review it for a long time on the popbreak.com. And he is a phenomenal, like, I mean, he's the second lead in that show. So he's a really great character. And they add more depth. I wouldn't mind to him about it, in a movie about the Gotham the, City PD. Sure. That's fine. I think he's necessary in a movie about the yeah, Gotham or even if, a TV show about it. If it's a movie <laughs> about Batman and the Bat family, those cops are just basically plot devices there's not yeah. going to be a whole uh, lot of you're space say that about gordon come on and again uh, i mean I'm... gordon's not on the list why, yeah. why is harvey well, gordon yeah, well, that's because gordon's gordon... been in a million live action movies and i also yeah. say this alex if you remember this is actually very consistent with my rankings because when we did the bad allies i had gary oldman as gordon as my number one and so yeah, i just are... I, I just look here's my thing is I'm I'm ranking him number two one because I I really like the characters as I've already explained but I just I think that when you're looking at what type of storylines what type of plots what type of characters do you want to see in a live action Batman movie like yeah like we could do you know Batgirl Robin you know Batwoman all good characters which we're going to talk about in a little bit here but it's just like again they're costume fighters and you know they're they're going to have overlap whereas I just think as a cop as a hard boiled cop he adds a different dynamic and that's why I would you, like to see him a if lot if you want. Uh, if you want a member of the of the Gotham PD, he's third at best on the list of people who you would call. And I, and I just don't see a world where he becomes an interesting supporting player in a Batman movie. But I love that you have gone so hard for him and I respect your passion and I just couldn't disagree with you more. He's just literally like that. Like there's a thing in, in baseball value above replacement player, right? <laughs> he is his value above replacement player is zero. He is just a generic police officer in Gotham City. So uh, I just I, it kills you when you use the word generic. He's he's better than that. Come on. If you um, say so. Well, listen, mm. uh, Har- Harvey Bullock, if you're listening, um, I'd like to see you in a movie and I'd like you to be played by David Harvey. He's not um, real. But- all right, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. I, there's going to be a lot of people who agree with me on this one. I'm telling you, sure. uh, he is a he is a fa- he is a fan favorite on the animated series. But all right, we'll get back to all the other costume vigilantes, whatever, aka um, members of yes. the Bat family. <laughs> we'll get I mean, back to the actual members of the Bat. The, the, the best win for you with Harvey Bullock was that he was not 12. Yeah, that's a, that's. <laughs> That's a win for you. Well, that's well. I, this is see. This is and again, I kind of feel bad for Tim Drake in this respect. Is because the reason Tim Drake got twelve is because you know Marshall, you and I had him tenth, and Alex like higher, but only seventh. I totally mm. messed up the math here because I had Harvey Bullock too, so it got of a ton of points. Um, with, so yeah, that that really messed with the rankings here. But uh, I am yes, he did not get last place, so I am happy for that. But. Tie for 10th, whatever. Justice for Harvey Bull. Okay. We'll move on to the Bat family members now. Um, so here we go. Number nine. All right. I'm actually, I'm surprised that this person finished this low. Uh, we have another Robin. Jason Todd, also known as the Red Hood. So you were, you were both pretty low. Um, Alex, you were 10th. Marshall, you had him 9th. 
I was the highest at six. I have to say though, going into this list, I thought I was actually going to be higher on him. But when I really broke it down and thought about it, he actually did not overwhelm me. I have to admit. Now he gets a lot of points for being involved in one of the most iconic Batman stories there is. The death of Robin. Robin died. It doesn't get more tragic than that. Mm-hmm. And the way he dies, just my, you know, maniacally beaten with a crowbar by Batman's greatest enemy and then blown up. I just awful. But I also bumped him up because Under the Red Hood, in my opinion, is one of the best Batman animated movies with a great climax. Mm-hmm. Um, also, J- Jensen Eccles as the voice is really good in that film. Great job in that movie. Um, so, and there is, I, there is something sickening about him taking the mantle of Joker's previous alter ego in order to get revenge on him, which makes him very compelling. Having mm-hmm. said all that, I think the reason I couldn't rank him higher is just because he, he's a bit of a one-trick pony. Um, while his death and his one-shot return in that animated movie are great, and he certainly makes his impact in Batman lore, there really isn't a whole lot more to the character. So he's kind of, he's kind of like a pro athlete who only has one all-star appearance, and then the rest of his career is just kind of eh, like pretty forgettable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I'm curious if your arguments are similar to why you have him low. But yeah, Jason Todd. I, I, was, I, I wish he finished a little higher, but I also kind of get why he's low. Um, Alex, why so low on the second Robin? So as a Robin, Jason Todd is basically just exactly Dick Grayson, but with an anger problem, and then he dies. So I don't think that's very interesting. Uh, and sure, it's iconic that he dies, but like, I don't think we want to watch a Batman movie where like a 13-year-old gets murdered by the Joker. That seems like not a fun time. And then he, if you just catch up with him as the Red Hood, Under the Red Hood, I've seen that animated uh, movie as well. I think it's pretty strong. It's a good storyline, but I feel like it's just if you want to dive into an anti-hero character, I think there's more interesting anti-hero characters on this list with more potential for an interesting dynamic with with Bruce. And I think ultimately, if we're doing the Bat Family, you always have to have that as at least a part of the equation. Like, can that person replace Bruce? Can that person interact with Bruce in his interesting way? And I feel like, you know, oh, he's just like the disgruntled son who's like mad at at dad because he let him die. And now he uses guns and doesn't care about killing people. It's just like, I don't know. It's I feel like I feel like there's a world in which they could tell that story very strongly. But then what do you do with the character after that one Mm. installment? Uh, but, and that's, I think a big thing for me is I want a character that has a lot of potential. I don't want a one and done story. And I really think that as a Robin, he's a bust. He's such a bust that the fans voted to kill him, uh, which is the only time in the history of comics that that happened. Uh, and as a, as an anti-hero, it's really a one and done sort of deal. And then what do you, and then there's not much to do with him after that. So I, I, that's why he ultimately got lower than uh for me i i would agree with you that i to me like he he is more interesting a character when he becomes the red hood um marshall you're also pretty problem but the one problem that i wanted to add with the red hood is that it is more interesting as the red hood but it undoes this death which is such a core part of batman's story so even the most interesting part about his character is sort of problematic because it takes away from Bruce's character then by having that person not actually die. So I feel like not, 
even in that, yeah. you kind of it, it undermines itself a little bit. Nine times out of ten, I would agree with you on that. Like, it, you know, you, you never want to undercut a story like that. But because I, and again, I'm speaking more to this animated movie because I really do like it because they do it well. Like, I forgive it. Um, but all right, Marshall, you were also pretty low. I mean, ninth. Um, so I'm sure you have some pros and cons on Jason Todd. But go for it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would agree that uh, there's some compelling facets to Jason Todd. He got low for me, but just because uh i'm a gamer so you get uh, you get them in arkham knight you get them in uh gotham knights neither one of those portrayals was very compelling um and it's just like at this point i don't need to see anything else and um if they were to put him in a film uh to, to alex's point it's just like okay well now once he dies that's the that's the real development for bruce right and then for him to come back in every single property that i've seen them it just it just it, it just works against that development for bruce and if, if we're talking about the bat family then bruce is the main one who we're feeding here in some way shape or form so i mean and then once he comes back you know it's it's there's just he's just boring he's a boring character to me hmm. as far as that's concerned and just the amount that i've seen him and the ways that you know different writers and different uh, media types try to portray him and try to make him interesting it just doesn't work he uses guns batman's first rule is to not use guns whether he's using uh a, a fatal ammo ammunition or or not and then it's just it's just like oh, what what else do you do you're you're mad okay we get it jason like you, you died you know that's that's his thing and that's what i've seen and it's just not interesting uh enough to be higher on the list yeah i like what both of you guys have said as i said at the beginning here on jason todd it's like i i, I was coming into this being like oh i bet i'm gonna have him pretty high like maybe like you know top four or something like that but as i was looking at this list and thinking about it like a lot of your arguments really seeped into my brain um, so listen, I, I mean, I, I like him a little bit better than nine, but Hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to go to bat for Jason Todd. Like I did for my guy, Harvey Bullock. Um, like so Joker we'll, went to uh, bat with we'll, him. We will move on. Um, all right. Coming in at number eight, number eight, we have Kate Kane, AKA Batwoman. Hmm. Now, Marshall, you were the highest at number five. Um, Alex, you were kind of an ad number eight. I mean, she comes in at number eight. So, all right. I'm, I'm the villain on this one. Um, I had Kate Kane second to last. Let, hmm. let me say this. So I knew very little about Kate Kane. I, I'm aware of her presence, but really only in passing. I, I think I saw an animated movie with her once in it, The Mystery of the Batwoman. I vaguely remember her presence in the No Man's Land novelization. I'm pretty sure she was in both of those. Um, in both cases, yeah. So I just, I, so I definitely want to do some reading on this character via my old friend Wikipedia. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. As I'm reading this Wikipedia article, I was just completely disinterested in in it but with this with this character though i want to be really fair so i actually decided to do a little bit more homework on kate kane i, I really wanted to give her a chance because i know just she has a lot of popularity and fandom around her um so i decided to do something that i don't normally like to do which is watch a cw show i'm sorry for people who like the cw shows that's great i enjoyed smallville i enjoy some of the early arrow stuff but that's basically about it um mm -hmm. i understand that they have limited resources Mm -hmm. uh, but to me, the, you know, those shows are what they are. It's fine. Um, but I, I did throw in the pilot. Um, and I think rather than help her case, it actually hurt her a little bit. I was just I was just completely underwhelmed by this character. For, first of all, first of all, the pilot for this show is just so shameless when they're talking about like, oh, her dad being the white knight. And then you get the scene of the bats flying around Kate Kane. It's like, it cut me a break. This isn't a Nolan movie. Stop. Um, and to be honest, where this actually, to be honest, where this pilot kind of fails for me 
And I know it's only a pilot um, and maybe the rest of the series got better. I I don't know. But I think this pilot fails because it's afraid to 100% embrace the character. She's constantly overshadowed by Batman in this pilot, who's not even in the damn show. But the entire pilot is basically telling us there's a far more interesting TV series that we're not going to watch. So here you go. You can settle for this mediocre character. I think that the actress playing her was solid, um, but the writing for Kate Kane just was not there. So again, I, I know it was just a pilot. Maybe it got better. So yeah, that's why Kate Kane is low for me. Is it just, again, it's a word I'm going to use a lot. She just falls into that redundancy category for me. It's just, th- there was not enough in the Batwoman character to separate her from the Batman character. And again, I, I don't dislike the character. For my limited, just from my limited experience with the character, I just don't know what she brings to the table that I really haven't already seen. Um, But Marshall, I mean, you're the highest here, number five. That's pretty high. To Tell me why I'm wrong. What, what makes Kate Kane interesting? Well, if we're talking about the Bat family, she's actually related to to Bruce um in a in a non-typical way you know it's not just oh this is my kid or you know this is my long whatever this is cousin but at at the end of the day uh she got five for me just because of that potential uh i really do think that there's a lot of un um unexplored area for a character like this you know she was she's a lesbian she is 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 forward thinking she was actually resourceful she got a lot of this shit on her own um independent completely of her relationship with her cousin who you would think like oh yeah you family then go ahead and uh go down to the back cave and do all this like no it, it for me that's slightly more compelling and it would be a great way to to kind of introduce a character who um works in tandem with the dark knight at times or the bat family but also has her own set of resources and has her own set of uh of difficulties and stories and romances and 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 rogues gallery and and all of these different things that Kate has uh, and she's just, you know, she's just more compelling to me than some of the other people uh, on the list. Alex, uh, so you kind of mixed on Kate Kane. I mean, number eight, low, but not super low. Um, go for it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't view eight as low on a list like this. I think it's a pretty stacked list at the top. So uh, have be, making it to eight is, is an accomplishment in, of, in and of itself. And I think that for me, a lot of what Marshall said is true. I think that Unfortunately, watching that pilot uh, definitely does her a disservice because something that that CW show is so excited about is what you probably don't realize, Dan, is that the CW is not allowed to utter the name Batman, let alone display any Batman iconography for the entire run of the Arrowverse up until the Batwoman show. And so they were just so excited to be like, Batman exists in our universe and we can't show him, but we're going to talk about him as much as possible. Mm. And I think that did ultimately do Kate Kane a disservice in that first season because like Marshall said in the comic book she really is her own woman she is on this list one of the few characters that are truly lead characters that could stand shoulder to shoulder with Batman in terms of being hero in their own right and that and she is kind of inspired by Batman to rise up and become her own hero without having a close relationship with him at first and she's not aware that it's her cousin when they first get started she's really kind of trying to be a hero for uh, like the people on the street in Gotham who need her help that Batman is at this point kind of overlooking because he's so caught up in all of the Justice League stuff and all that and everything. And she's got this really compelling character and her father, who's this tough military guy who helps train her and gets her in gear. And I also think there's so much potential as a queer woman to kind of, and this is something that the show eventually did do, did explore to a reasonable degree, uh, the idea of how, someone who spent so long fighting to be seen authentically as themselves to come out of the closet to not wear that mask 
in their personal life manage having to wear a mask to fight crime. That's a really compelling story that before I saw it in the Batwoman show, I had never really seen before. And I think that that is so interesting. And that's something, and that's a story that I think the bat iconography can really amplify in cool ways. And that's just something that, you know, in terms of storytelling potential that I think would do justice uh, to a big screen portrayal. So I would really love to see Batwoman coming in as a supporting character, but I think she could also be a character in her own right, leading a series, leading a, a movie, and uh, and that's not true for a lot of the characters on this list. So that's why she gets where she is. I think in terms of why she's not further higher for me, uh, she doesn't have as much iconography around her. She doesn't have as much story around her in the comic books. Uh, and you know, she is only tangentially related to Bruce. Like we said, like she's literally related as his cousin, but there's not a lot of inner interplay between the two of them. And I think sometimes when we're saying what makes a good member of the Bat family, that it's a question of how we balance those, those two things. So that's kind of why she is where she is. And I do think that the show kind of hurt her brand a little bit (laughs) because that show, it took almost the full season to figure out how to work as a TV show with the supporting cast and getting what they needed out of Ruby Rose, who I love her to death. She's a really talented actress in a certain light, but that show oftentimes was not uh, giving her the opportunity to shine the way that she needed Mm. to. Um, And that show ended up becoming much better when uh, they pivoted to a different Batwoman uh, in the second season, in my opinion. So Mm. I think that that hurt her stock a little bit, but we can bump it back up. I think we have time. Uh, You know, it's uh, by the way, speaking of the Batwoman TV show. So like I said, I watched the pilot. That was the first time I really ever watched this show. However, I'll just mention this. Um, uh, it was a while ago that I heard that they were like bringing back like a bunch of like random Batman elements into like some kind of crazy crossover event. And I read that like Burt Ward was going to be in a scene. <laughs> and so I literally like I literally just rented the episode, watched the two second Burt Ward scene where I think he just looks up to the sky and then I just like turned it off and like i literally just wanted to see the bird war scene um, yeah. so i just rented the episode solely for that reason that's um, the crisis on infinite earth uh episode i will say that i think some of the best stuff that kate does on that series in that first season is in that crossover where she pairs with supergirl and she's got great uh chemistry with with um the actress who plays supergirl melissa benoist and uh the two of them kind of confront an evil uh jaded Batman uh, played by Kevin Conroy and it's excellent and she really kind of has to contend with if I keep walking down this road is this who I'm going to become and how do I prevent that Mm. from happening and I think that alone shows the potential of a Kate Kane character in a in a bigger better story Mm. oh you know I think I did watch the Kevin Conroy scene as well I you know what like yeah like look these CW shows like not my cup of tea but I do like I I remember reading about that at crossover and I was like I do admire their ambition though so I do give them credit for that um all right well that's kate kane all rest right. in peace to the goat yes C- yeah great point yep absolutely absolutely uh all right coming in at number seven we have stephanie brown now this is one where we were all pretty lockstep in um alex you were the lowest at nine um marshall you and i both had her at seven now this is also someone who i knew nothing about i had heard the name i think at one point i did know that she was a robin uh, but I had her higher than characters like Kate Kane, Helena Wayne, and then another person who we'll get to later. Um, because to me, from the little I read about her, she brought something new to the table. And that's why I bumped her up a little bit. And certainly the experts here on the call 
can let me know what I get wrong, but here's my understanding of the character. Stephanie Brown is the daughter of the villain, the Clue Master, and she takes on the mantle of the spoiler to stop her dad. And then later, she is trained by both Batman and Barbara Gordon, sharing time as Robin and Batgirl at one point. Um, Now, to me, this isn't just the same old, here's another vigilante in Gotham City. I think that the idea of becoming a crime fighter, you know, to stop one of your parents as a supervillain is very personal, which is always a foundation for a great superhero. And then just in reading more about the character, it seems like she was very prone to making a lot of mistakes early in her career, which is interesting. She doesn't just come out of the gate as this great, you know, crime fighter. Um, One of the blurbs I read was that in an effort to prove herself to Batman, she gets all these criminals together in one room, but it actually ends up starting a gang war. Um, So again, I've read no comics with this character whatsoever, but I ranked her a little higher because I feel like the core idea of this character, like I said, it brings something new to the table. It isn't just re-repeating and rehashing other characters, which is why I ranked her higher um, versus someone like Kate Kane. Um, but Alex, you were the lowest, but you also you you were also the one that we suggested that we add Stephanie Brown to this list. So go ahead, your thoughts. Yeah, I love that I'm the lowest because I thought I was going to have to fight for her inclusion on the list at all. I thought that I was really going to have to make a hard sell for her. Uh, and so I'm, I'm glad that she ended up higher than where I put her because I think, like you said, she's a great character from a story perspective right she's not someone that a lot of people outside of the batman comics know right now like she hasn't had a lot of appearances in other media and that makes her exciting right because it's it's a it's story that hasn't gotten overexposed but i also think she just it's there's so much potential there for this this child of a villain she's trying to make up for what her father has done by by going to the light side and and becoming a hero and she keeps like you said messing up and she gets that chance to be a robin and she completely messes it up and and loses it gets stripped of that title by bruce and then comes around later and becomes batgirl and it's this triumphant arc and i would love to see that in the in a movie i think that that has a lot of potential she's also a love interest to tim drake and i think that as like tim drake and and stephanie together in a movie a lot of potential there too like especially if you're doing a bat team focused movie that maybe isn't even about batman at all it's kind of about this sort of wider bat family i or i really think that there's a lot of potential there for the two of them as a couple um with him kind of being the guy who's been there for a while and knows the ropes and is trying to get her to get on board and she just keeps you know not quite getting it like getting over her skis a little bit too much because she has so much to prove i think there's so much there and i would and i just think it's the type of character that if a wide audience saw it that you would get so many people who would feel really invested in it in a way that I think some of the other things might not feel as fresh and might not feel uh, like we, we maybe didn't see it in a movie, but we've seen it enough times other places that we don't necessarily need to see it, or it's going to be such a high bar. You have to get Barbara Gordon, right? If you're going to put her in a movie, right? You can't do Alicia Silverstone again, <laughs> you know, whereas Stephanie Brown, like an actress can come on and like really make that character her own in a, in a number of different directions. So I think it's all story potential for her as a character. And I can't wait to see it i think that there's a really strong chance that we will get to see her in a movie one day because there's just so much meat on that bone uh marshall like me pretty solid ranking here number seven stephanie brown go for it yeah i mean for for me it's all about just the just the, the canvas um you have a character with this type of uh pedigree being able to be you know robin at one point coming back and being batwoman at one point didn't know about the tim drake romance part um, so that's, I mean, that's interesting. If you ever wanted to feature Tim Drake at all, for whatever reason, um, he's pretty low on my list. So, I mean, I would much rather see Stephanie than him, but, 
um, just just having someone who is, for my for my knowledge, the least known person on this list, which instantly to me makes them feel like this is a person who could translate well to to to, to film and be on the big screen and say, okay, this is a person. And then when people go back and look look her look her up, say, wow, they 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 have some places this character can go, uh, as opposed to. You know, just just the 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 amount of people who know and have knowledge about some of these other characters, it's going to be harder to make that a little bit more compelling and surprise people or subvert expectations. Where with Stephanie is okay. Is she can can she be Robin or is she going to go to to to, to be trained by Barbara? Is she going to become Batgirl? There's a couple of options for that, and there's a couple of ways that it can be adapted and and they can still surprise some people, uh, even if they decided to do, to to go away from the comics just a little bit i think she's the character that can make that happen and it'd be uh it'd be feasible yeah i mean like i said like i mean this is you know this is one of her deep cuts here in terms of characters but i mean seventh place i mean pretty impressive showing for stephanie brown like i said i knew nothing but from the little that i read i mean i i definitely wanted to maximize the ranking here because i do think there's a lot of potential there Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. as you both have talked about um speaking of another deep cut though uh, coming in at number six. So for me personally, this is this is the last of the I don't know much about these character picks. Um, we have Lucius Fox's son, Luke Fox, um, who I also got to know a little bit from the Batwoman pilot. Um, Luke Fox, also known as Batwing. So I knew of Batwing's existence. You know, I've seen some images. I don't know. He he feels like the DC version of Falcon, basically. That's just what I glean here from the very very little that I know about him. Mm-hmm. Um, Marshall, you had him six. Alex, you had him fourth. Yeah, I had him last. Um, okay, last? again, just all, and again, Harvey Bullock number two. All I can do is go off what I know, and here's ultimately why I put him last. I am going to read you this quote from the Wikipedia article that I read. Here we go. Possessing intelligence and business skills and sense like his father, Luke is a technological genius, inventor, designer, and engineer. He is also a trained mixed martial artist and boxer whose skills has since improved under tutelage from Batman. In addition to his skills, the character possesses immense wealth and his connections garner nearly unlimited access to Wayne Industries' advanced technology. Translation, let's combine Lucian Fox and Bruce Wayne and put him in a Batsuit. I, I don't care. Um, you, Yeah, exactly. You, what, you're saying something that's awesome, Dan. What are you talking about? You want <laughs> Alex, you want to talk about redundancy? That's redundant. And you know what, makes Lucius, you know what makes Lucius Fox cool in the Nolan trilogy? He didn't need to be flying around in a bat suit. Also, just the name Batwing, I just like cut me a break on that name. Okay, but what? where did you have Tim Drake again? I had I had Tim Drake tenth. I had him two spots above Luke Fox. Um just okay. listen, okay. Uh, what why why can't why can't Luke Fox just be like the cool the, the cool Q character? It just that's because that serves a really cool purpose. But when you also throw him into a suit, it's unnecessary. Here's the thing. We already we already, to Marshall's point too, like we already have 58 different Batman knockoffs. Like why add one more to the mix? That's, that's all I got here. Now, again, I fully admit I have read no stories with this characters, with this character. So if I did, I may feel totally different as you both clearly do. I mean, you had him pretty, both of you had him pretty high. I'll, I'll, Alex, I'll go to you first. Number four for you. Convince me. And I'm actually like, I'm genuinely interested here because maybe you're about to tell me Dan, do I have the Luke Fox Batwing story for you? And it's if it sounds great, listen, I'll I'll go order it off Amazon right now and read it over Thanksgiving. I, so go for it, Luke Fox, number four. 
I mean, for one thing, he's just a classic hero archetype, right? He's this guy who is stuck underneath the shadow of his incredible father, who is so who is so smart and so talented, so powerful, and also his father's friend, Bruce Wayne, hey, hey, Batman, who's so smart and successful and talented, and he has something to prove. He's a young character who isn't a Robin. He's not like in this weird sort of like Batman's my dad, uh, you know, kind of thing, which has its own storytelling potential. But everybody doesn't need to have. Bruce as their father figure, right? I like that he is his own young kind of like, you know, almost like a Spider-Man-esque figure who has something to prove, who has incredible skills in fighting and in technology and in strategy, and he could really carry his own story, which I think all of the characters that I put in my in my top five are characters that I think could really carry their own story. And I feel like he's he has so, so much potential there. And I just I just don't understand any of your criticisms, honestly. And, and also, for one thing, you know, it's also a nice bit of diversity in the Bat family, which we don't have a lot of. And, and I think that that's important, too. Like, you look at the character of Miles Morales and what that did for the Spider-Man character long term. Luke Fox can be that for the Bat family. I think he's got so much potential. And he's also really cool. Less cool on the Batwoman show than in maybe other installments that we've seen. Uh, they, they, Dan, eventually they do put him in a in a Batman uh, version of an Iron Man suit, basically, and and it, but it's on a TV budget, and it's it's not it's not the best. But I think that there's so much potential here because he's got a chip on his shoulder. He has something to prove. But it's not the same tired story of I want to be better than Bruce. I need to prove that I'm capable of doing what Bruce can do. He's got his own thing with his dad. And 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 I think that it also gives you an opportunity to deepen the Lucius Fox character, too. He doesn't have to just be Batman's tech support and business guy on the board. You know, he gets to be a fully fleshed out person if his son is a lead character in a Bat story. And I think that's also good for the supporting cast. So I think it's just all potential for him. And I think it's it's really exciting. And I don't think that the comics have necessarily done as much as they could with this character. Uh, but if I'm making a list of characters who could take over the Batman mantle one day uh, and lead the book or lead a franchise on his own, Luke Fox is is on that short list for sure. Uh, well, before I throw it to Marshall, so because in the middle of my uh, my little speech here, M- Marshall did make a good point that kind of had me stumped where he's like, when I'm talking about redundancy and he's like, you rank you rank Tim Drake over him, which is which is a fair point. Um, but Mar- uh, Marshall, I'll give it to you. Not quite as high, but still pretty high. Uh, number six. Go for it. Yeah. Um, first off, his name is Luke Fox. Come on. It's a cool name. Come on. Yeah, it's a it cool is a good name. name. Yeah, that is so, I mean, to, to, to Alex's point, what Miles Morales did for the Spider-Man fandom, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on on social media right now because in the most recent Spider-Man game by, made by Insomniac uh, Studios, they've said that Miles Morales is now the main Spider-Man in this universe. So there's go- there's always going to be that conversation. But there's five words that are really important here, and that is representation. It is representation and being able to to transplant the idea of a black man under the cow um, in a, in a way that makes sense. I mean, there's, you know, there's a black Superman and another alternate earth, right? But this is a, this is possibly a black Batman in the main continuity that has the resources, that has the intelligence, that has the, the moxie, that has the business skills. He is a proxy for everything that Bruce Wayne does well and represents. And he has his own family drama to come along with that walking in the shadows of his father a very successful man very powerful man 
How do you measure up? Does he have a chip on his shoulder or does he just want to separate himself? There are so many different things that they can actually explore with a character like this that is not necessarily in the comics, but that's why it's great for a movie because you can actually be creative with this character and also infuse some of that representation into what's generally been a very non-represented uh, a family, honestly. And if we're talking about family, we go back into the lines that his father has drawn for him. That's a whole different type of family drama that we maybe not have not seen from a Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne can't argue with his dad. He did. So <laughs> this is automatically compelling for me because Lucius Fox can be that that overshadowing, that that over, always looking over my shoulder, always got pressure from my dad and, and yada, yada, yada. We could have family reunion scenes and all this other type stuff. And there's just so much with Luke Fox that can happen. Plus, his name is cool as shit. I, listen, totally got it. Great arguments. And like I said, I listen, someone for me had to go last. And again, a lot of this is coming from total lack of knowledge on the character. And just in reading about it, I read things like technological genius, inventor, engineer, mixed martial arts. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've seen that character before. That's all. Um, like Harvey Bullock, no, when I, you read things I've, like police officer right. and skeptical of Batman. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, listen, I'm sure if I got to know the character of Luke Fox more, I, I'd probably have him over Tim Drake. Um, but there you go. But number six is a pretty good showing for Luke. All right, we will move on. Um, okay, we have another tie. Tied for number four, so no fifth place. Tied at fourth, we have Jean Paul Valley and Damian Wayne. All right, mm. let's 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 wow. do Jean Paul Valley first. Uh, now, based on this rank, Paul Valley. Oh, believe. did I mess Jean, Jean Paul Valley? I I apologize. Uh, well, I should French. get his name right because I had yeah. I, I should get his name right because I had him ranked very high. Um, so now, based on this ranking and how Alex ranked him, I mean, Alex knows he's he's in some deep water right now. Um, Marshall, you and I are on the right side, lockstep. We both had him in number three. Three. Wow. Alex Marcus, second to last, Rajon Paul Valley. Now, let mm. me just say this: kind of similar to Harvey Bullock, this is one of those characters who I had a connection to as a kid because I remember him very well from the Nightfall story, mm. um, which, of course, is one of the most famous Batman stories there is. We saw it adapt in The Dark Knight Rises, Bane, Breaking Batman's Back. We Everyone knows the story. What people probably don't remember a ton about that story is Jean-Paul Valley, And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why Alex ranked him low. We'll find out. But I'll tell you why I ranked him so high is because I think that Jean-Paul Valley, a.k.a. Azrael, would make for a fantastic character in a movie. Um, first of all, his backstory is intense. It's it's almost like a roided up version of the League of Shadows. Like this is where like Jean Paul Valley is part of this cult like group of assassins who are hardcore vigilantes. Um, but he gets out of this cult though. He joins up with Batman. Batman lets him into the Bat family, but he is unstable. And to boil it down, he is basically Batman without the inhibitions, a scarier version of Batman. Um, and this manifests itself when he takes on the mantle of the Bat while Bruce is recuperating from his battle with Bane. Um, in fact, Jean-Paul Valley as Batman fights Bane, and from what I remember, absolutely obliterates him. Um, beside from this storyline, as the alter ego Azrael, he's kind of a villain, but still kind of a hero. It's kind of unclear from what I remember. I, I just think that the idea of a Batman who could snap at any moment is thoroughly interesting for a movie. I, you want to talk about bringing something new to the table? That's Azrael. That's isn't why that uh, what Batman is though already like isn't that the tension wait, of the Batman character is that he's like living on the edge and could snap at any second but he has this moral yeah code but that no, he's see I would do but I would see I, I would argue that because we have such a rich history with Batman we know who the character is that you know he's really never going to do that but that's what Azrael is 
Pants. That's John Paul Valley. So I say get him in a movie, cast Ryan Gosling as him, and let's go. Um, but listen, Alex, you you disagree. Second to last, go for it. Yeah. So I'll be honest. This is a character that I mostly know secondhand. Uh, I haven't read the Nightfall comic books, I so I haven't seen a lot of his stuff. Uh, I only know kind of him by reputation, and what I've heard, I'm not impressed by because it basically, I mean, it's a fact that the reason why this character exists is because in the 90s, the people in charge of DC were like, "Oh no, Batman's boring. He's not hardcore enough. 90s comics are so hardcore. Uh, we're gonna ha- we're gonna knock." batman out for a while uh so and break his back so that we get a hardcore batman in instead and it's just like that just is super lame to me like i think that batman has the potential to be hardcore enough all on his own so i don't need like a hardcore to the max version of batman who's like even edgier than before like i just don't think that those characters do particularly well on the big screen because you need to have some level of nuance and i think that the the level of moral complication that Batman has is sufficient. Uh, I don't think that you need somebody who's pushing it even further to the edge. Like, who cares? Like, it just feels very kind of juvenile and I think should kind of be left to the 90s as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, yeah, that's I'm just like completely out on that character. Um, you know, I honestly can't. And like I said, I had a I had a connection to the character in the 90s. I actually don't even know like how recent he's been used in the comic books. I actually can't say. Um, but Marshall, get in there. You 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 had him number three like me. Go for it. You were high on him. I just think he's fucking interesting. I just I, I, I look at his story. I look at his his background. Um, the Knights Templar is is just like the infusion of Assassin's Creed into the DC universe for me. I'm down with that shit. I want to see you know somebody who's coming in and you know the brainwashing and the mental health issues that he has. I think that's a very contemporary story that needs to be explored more often. Um, in medium like this, because you have this mental health crisis with uh, particularly men in this country that don't want to go to therapy, that don't want to talk to someone, that don't want to develop good friendships, that don't want to uh, put their masculinity to the side in order to better themselves. And I think that this his character could be a very good vehicle for making that a larger part of the conversation. And it's just compelling to me. And I feel like putting that type of person in a film exploring that and really getting down into the minutia of what makes this person tick, why they are the way they are. I'm not as interested in him being like super edgy Batman or anything like that. He can be Azrael for all I care, but I just think that the, the template of what he is right now is right for a story that would be uh, significant in the times that we're in. I, I mean, very compelling argument. And honestly, like as you were talking, like I could like, I could feel like the Matt Reeves script being written like as you sp- spoke like i i just I-, I think he can fit into that world i really do yeah um but listen it, just, I, it, it look, feels kind of oh, yeah. just, i just i just yeah. want to say it just feels yeah. like you can do all of that with bruce wayne like i don't know why it needs to be Azrael as a character like it feels like there's potential for bruce wayne to carry all of that dramatic weight and that interest and that and all of the thematic stuff that you talked about i don't see how it's improved by having it be uh batman's friend instead of, you know sometimes i just get tired of bruce wayne though sometimes i'm Sometimes we're talking about the Bat family. Sometimes these things can be better uh, developed and discovered and 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 written and um, enhanced. And like we we can go along this ride with this character who's not as established. To to to, to I, I'm sorry, I can't remember who said it, but we know that Batman is not ever going to snap. We know that right. he's not going to you know just throw somebody off a building and, and toss down a toss down a a, a ninja star a bat a batarang or something like hey yeah this is what happened but 
and it's not to say that that's what I would be looking for primarily from Asriel or from the Jean Paul Valet, if that's how we pronounce his name. Don't, don't, don't. don't I mean, I apologize again. All right. uh, but I do feel like there is there is a canvas there, and I think that's important when you're talking about filmmaking and bringing something new to the table. Could it be it's achieved with Bruce? How many of these characters couldn't be achieved with Bruce in some way or fashion? To Alex's point, though, I will say what he's also describing I is also a very interesting movie if they want to go that way with Bruce Wayne. I can absolutely see that movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 100. And I, I think that, and Alex, I know you and I disagree on this. Uh, we talked a little bit about this in the early days of the Batman by the Numbers podcast. I do think they flirt with some of that in the Keaton Burton Batman movies. Um, but it's very, but it's very, very subtle. And also um, listen, in the, yeah. I feel like they flirt with it also with the, with the Ben Affleck version and like Batman versus Superman. He straight up kills people, even with a gun. Like he goes, he definitely, yeah. he's, but that, he's branding people he's so that way they get people, killed yeah. in friends he's, prison. He's kind of on the verge of snapping in that movie. And I think when we look at Robert Pattinson's Batman, like he doesn't know where the line is yet. So because he's so early in it and he's so angry and filled with rage at the beginning. So I feel like there's places where you could, where they're already trying to explore in different versions of the I, character. I've said this on multiple occasions when talking about Matt Reeves as the Batman. And listen, I'm a big fan of that movie. I can't wait to see where they go next. And when we did the Batman ranking episodes of the actors, I praise Robert Pattinson's performance as Batman up and down. But I did think that his Bruce Wayne was very underwritten and leaves a lot to be desired. But if you want to fill in those gaps for what you're describing, that does sound like a really good Bruce Wayne, Robert Pattinson movie. 100% agree with okay, you I'll there. get started on the script um, now. Send it over <laughs> to my buddy, Matt. We, we appreciate that. Um, get it done. Well, listen, despite despite Alex's rankings here for for, um, for Azrael, I mean, it's hard for me to complain about his ranking at tied for fourth. I mean, for a niche character, like, yeah, he did pretty high. well here. Yeah. Um, but we will move on to the other person who tied for fourth. Um, so now here, here we go. So when we get to the remaining four, I mean, let's be honest. See, these are the big guns. Um, so like I said, also tying in fourth is Damian Wayne, a.k.a. Robin, a.k.a. the son of Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul. Um, so the spotlight was on Alex uh, last time, but now it's going to be on Marshall for a little bit here in a minute. Um, because Alex and I were on the same footing for Damian. Alex, you had him fifth. I was the highest at four. Um, now, Marshall, you had him eighth, you know, which isn't super low and like we've talked about this is a stacked list but i'm sure you have an array of positives and negatives here for damien wayne i'll let you start on this one tell us why you have him eight i'm just not that into him um the the uh, you, you see that the children of bruce wayne for me are not that compelling um you know I'm, I'm a dragon ball z kid i grew up watching that and you know gohan has a chance of being a much better character than his dad Goku, but they never write him that way. And I just feel like that's kind of the situation here with Damian Wayne, where I'm just a bit apathetic to him and his story and, and everything that happens. And then there are multiple iterations. The, the DC comics are a bit hard to keep up with from a continu- continuity standpoint. So it's like, what part of Damian Wayne are we getting? Which, which Damian Wayne are we getting? Um, so uh, for me, there's just a little bit of confusion there. There's just a little bit of, okay, he's another child of a superhero. And, you know, that's cute in Batman or uh, Son of Batman versus Son of Superman, whatever that movie is called. Or it's just in a, in a, in a feature film, it's a hard sell for me. Okay. So here, here's what I get to say on Damian Wayne. Um, when James Gunn was making his DC announcement video where he revealed what all the big upcoming projects were, there was no doubt in my mind that Damian Wayne was going to be mentioned. No doubt. Obviously, Robin as a character has been heavily underutilized in live action. We know this. 
Um, I mean, the, the best version of the character, in my opinion, in a live action movie of Robin isn't even Robin. Um, so with, with James Gunn being such a Robin's big comic book. my middle name. <laughs> exactly. Yes. But I do like that character. But yes, he's really not Robin. So with James Gunn being such a big comic book guy, I'm sure that's not lost on him. I figured he would want to get Robin immediately involved. Um, and I knew Damien would be the Robin that he would want to use. And I'm with him. J- just the fact that Damien Wayne is half an Al Ghul makes him instantly fascinating. Um, but James here, James Gunn quotes in that announcement video, Damian Wayne is my favorite Robin. He's a little assassin who Batman tries to get in line. You can just, you can hear the glee in his voice as he says that. And it's a big reason why I ranked him as high as I did. Not only is Damian Wayne an intense character, but there is actually, I think a lot of potential for humor here. Um, he's so serious, even more serious, even more so than Batman. So to see a character like Damian Wayne just fight and interact with all these ridiculous villains, I think would be massively entertaining. I remember watching the Batman Ninja Turtle animated movie, and he gets so annoyed by a character like Michelangelo. I, I just I think there's great opportunity for James Gunn humor there, no doubt. But also, but there's also like real emotional stakes with the relationship between Batman and Robin here as Batman has to guide this kid who grew up being trained by the League of Assassins. You know, how does he get that garbage out of his brain? So I, using Damian Wayne as the Robin in the upcoming DCEU to me is a no-brainer. Um, and I cannot wait to see how it plays out. I, casting, I think, is going to be crucial for that role. I mean, it's going to be a tough character for someone to play. I think you, like, I think you need Chloe Grace Moretz hit girl vibes from Kick-Ass for that role. Um, but we'll see what they do. Um, Alex, you like me, you had him fifth. You, you got to be excited about Damian Wayne coming into live action. I, I'm fairly excited for it. I think that there is, it, he's fifth instead of like in the top three, because I think that there are ways in which it could go terribly wrong. You know, True. like there's a version of his character where he's this like feral little 10 year old. who's like, I want to kill everybody. And it's like, imagining that with a live action person like that could be really cringe you know that could you if you're playing it just for comedic effect it could be really hard to sit through i think there's also the kind of like is it child abuse to let this child Mm -hmm. be an assassin which what you can play with the other bat family characters as slightly older like most of the time they're seen as you know older teenagers which is a little bit easier to deal with maybe you even age them up to their 20s with this character i feel like it's really important that he's not a fully formed person yet he's very impressionable um so even if he's like 14 instead of 10 you know i think it's like it's still it works well because he is batman's son i think that makes the robin thing a lot less weird you know for mainstream audiences to be like well why mm. is this adult running around with a bunch of you know 16 year olds <laughs> he's training to to kill people like that's weird um so i think like the fact that it's his son and he's trying to kind of undo a lot of the assassin training and and mold it and shape it into something more uh humane i think there's potential there as a story but i also think that it could go wildly wrong i think even like a character like hit girl in kick-ass i remember loving that when that came out in 2010 i don't i haven't watched that movie in a long time i'm not sure how well that ages uh necessarily um and i and i worry about that with a character like damian wayne so he's like a little kind of he's like a little sicko right and it's like i don't know maybe it's better for that to exist on a page and in an animation than in live action but if you have to do robin um as a kid I think it has to be Batman's son. He's got the he's got the 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 soul of the demon, and he's gonna he's got to fight the darkness inside of him, and 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 that presents an interesting mirror for Bruce um, as a character. So there's a lot there, uh, but it uh, again it could go wildly wrong depending on how 
you cast it and what tone you play those things. Uh, and, and I honestly, you know, I want to say that James Gunn is like the guy who I would trust to find that middle ground. Um, but I worry, uh, even with somebody like him, that it would kind of lean too far into like com- comedic edgelord territory with a character like that. So it's a high wire act. Uh, which is perfectly appropriate given that it is a Robin after all. Well, yeah, a that's, very, that's part yeah, of ahead. the thing that, that worries me, right? Like James Gunn has done some great things, right? But the last Suicide Squad movie I, I thought was detestable. I couldn't, I, I, I hated that film and I need to see James Gunn do it before I'm just like, Hey, James Gunn has the reins now, you know, it'll be great. No, I, I, I need to see, I need to see you do it. I would like, if I had to see it, I would honestly, I think I would rather see a Super Sons uh, movie than uh, just Batman and Robin movie. Super Sons is kind of what Marshall was alluding to. is basically like Jonathan Kent, Superman's son, has superpowers. And then uh, then Damian Wayne as Robin, Batman's son. They kind of like have to team up to like, you know, fight uh, as, as some sort of cosmic threat that their parents can't help them with. And, and I think that that is more interesting because then you have the kind of like good kid versus bad kid and like what they get from each other because they're both ultimately their purposes are aligned but their methods aren't and what they can learn from each other you know jonathan becoming a little bit less of a of a boy scout um and damien being a little bit less of a sociopath right i think that that would be an interesting way to to present the character if we have to see him in live action i agree Yeah, no, I think you, you guys make some really good points. And it, it is is very, and Alex in particular, like, I mean, you're right. It's going to have to be a very delicate approach. Uh, it's a very good point to bring up. Um, All right. Are you guys ready for the top three? I can't Let's wait. I, can't, I really, I don't know where, I have no idea the order <laughs> that it's going to fall. I can't wait to see. Well, I know. And I'm going to reveal number three right now. All right. Coming in at number three, we have Barbara Gordon. Mm. So this is this is a no brainer. We we all had her high. Now, I, I was actually the lowest at fifth. Marshall at four. Alex the highest at three. But we were all very we were all right there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Barbara Gordon, of course, best known for both Batgirl and Oracle in the killing in Oracle and the Killing Joke continuity. Um. Mm-hmm. Now earlier in the podcast, I talked about how the last season of the animated series was by far the worst. But but. One of the best elements to that last season, though, was Batgirl. Um, Barbara Gordon, to me, Barbara Gordon is just a good person. That's all there is to it. And to me, she's the best of both Gordon and Batman. She's no nonsense, and she just kicks ass, and that's it. And she has great loyalty to Batman, always by his side, even though even when he's at his lowest, she just wants to help. But certainly, um, she's also great at captaining her own ship. And I feel like if Batman had to go away for a long period of time, you know, other than maybe Nightwing you know, she can protect Gotham City and not miss a beat. And I do think there's an argument to be made that she's Batman's most trusted ally, Out, you know, aside from maybe Alf. Um, it's a shame we haven't seen this character yet in live action. And yes, I know we were supposed to, and that situation is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, regardless, I'm confident that James Gunn will bring her into the fold at some point. I'm I'm all for seeing the character as Bacco or Oracle, whatever makes sense for the story that they want to tell. I'm guessing a lot of people would probably prefer Batgirl because the creation of the Oracle character is tied to the Killing Joke storyline, which I know on recent evaluation, people kind of want to stay away from that, especially after what was just a truly horrific adaptation of that storyline in animated form. Um, but look, I do, but I do think just Oracle character on its own, I do think the Oracle character adds something unique to the Bat world. Um, she also, she's also great in those Arkham games. Um, mm-hmm. But listen, I, 
bottom line, we need to get Barbara Gordon into the fold. We need to get her into a Batman. Um, Alex, you're the highest on Barbara Gordon, so go for it. Number three for you. Yeah, I, th- I mean, there was a run of comics now that I think at this point is probably about 10 years old of Barbara Gordon as Batgirl on a college campus, just like foiling plots and being young and exciting and, and fresh. And, and I think that something like that in a movie would be excellent. I think that there's so much potential for this character. I, I love the way that she can interact with Batman in the sense of like, you know, Gordon as a character, uh, like uh, Detective Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, is an absent father. We know this, right? And so I like the idea of her uh, developing a relationship with Batman where she kind of feels like she's getting to know her dad more as she gets to know Bruce and what their relationship is. She gets to kind of see other sides of her father. I think it works even better if her father has died and she kind of has to has has to kind of le- lean on his friend to access these memories and these sides to him that she was always shielded from but now she's in the fight with with Batman and so she gets to see that stuff. I think there's a lot of potential there for a cool story and I think she's really good on her own as a, as a solo character too. Like I said, on a college campus running around trying to figure out like what kind of person I want to be, how do I balance like being going on dates and go, and go going to his class and fighting crime like that she's such a great like peter parker-esque character in the batman universe that i think is is really strong and as oracle i think that her origin of oracle is super problematic and misogynistic and and gross but what other uh writers in the comics were able to do with that character was very impressive and they really salvaged something that was pretty terrible and toxic and turned it into something really mm-hmm. inspiring like she is something that a lot of disability rights activists really point to as like a really strong story about becoming uh, about maintaining your heroism not letting the fact that you are have had this disability uh, keep you from being who you are, stealing who you were, um, and 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 things that you care most about, right? She didn't let those things that her physical limitations get in the way of that, and she became a she held on to that crime fighting in in a new way that was really inspiring. So I think there's a story to tell there too. I think that you want her to be Batgirl first, though, and I think maybe if you're like thinking about MCU style storytelling with the Bat Universe, maybe you get ten years of Batgirl being Batgirl in three or four different things, and then some tragic accident happens during a fight that isn't just to make her dad feel bad and she is injured and has to become oracle and and rises to the occasion and 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 becomes that inspirational figure in a new way i think there's a a long tail story to be told there too but start it with her as 19 and uh, and on a college campus and figuring stuff out and dealing with the death of her father maybe and, and just go from there i think there's such a great story to be told for this character yeah, I think the, I think the Peter Parker cop is really good. And actually, yeah, it makes me very excited to see this character eventually, hopefully in live action. Um, but l- listen, I mean, the, there's no there, it's all consensus here. We're all very high. Marshall, you you were you were four here. Go for it. Barbara Gordon. Yeah, uh, I'll just piggyback off of what Alex was saying, just as far as like her her potential for storytelling, her potential for character development, her potential to at some points in in a phase, you know, multi-phase project carry and or uh take some of the take some of the weight off of Batman. Um if we are doing something like a phase 1, phase 2, phase 3, she could be someone who we could see grow and matriculate through her heroism throughout the entirety of this, you know, um saga 
or whatever it was if we're you know comparing to to marvel or the mcu and she's just ripe for it man she's just a great character she's got great uh great family uh, uh connections as far as another character who would be you know combating the relationship of her father whether he was alive or dead or you know however they decide to do that start out as a young you know bat girl and be impressionable and bruce is teaching her the ropes and all this other type of things she could be on a college campus she could be in the workforce you know after 18 because she's she's brilliant regardless but um there's just there's just so many things that you can do with a bat girl and not only that but again representation if she's one of the largest, you know, female lady characters that are in the Bat family, she needs to be accentuated more. And I know how difficult it is to actually get sidekicks into live action, but she's ripe for it. And it could be it could be well done. And even if it wasn't well done, it can it can matriculate. It can get better. She can get better and uh, it can give us some really compelling stories. Yeah, and I, I, I really think that this is a character that can carry a franchise for several movies. I really do. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had her fifth. I, I probably should have ranked her higher. I, Barbara Gordon is really a great character. You guys have made some really good points here. Um, but we will move on to the top two. Can Still I, number wait, three. Before Very we move good on, showing. can yeah, I just say yeah. that one thing that I love about this discussion is that at no point were we like, well, and she's Dick Grayson's girlfriend, so she should really be in the movies because that is like the only thing that they seem to care about when she was in Batman and Robin. And I mean, that's like the least important part of her character. And she's such a strong character on her own right. So I like that we had a full conversation and the name Dick Grayson never came up because it doesn't need to. It's, it's cool that they had that relationship and there 100%. is potential there as well. I wouldn't say like, don't have that in in her continuity mm-hmm. absolutely not but i but she is a lead character she doesn't need to be defined by being robin's girlfriend and i think that that's absolutely awesome. yeah. Yeah. yeah very well said absolutely um all right we're at the top two so here we go which means once i reveal number two we also know who number one's gonna be mm-hmm. ace the bat hound no <laughs> I wish. Uh, coming in at number two. So, well, all right. So the spotlight's going to be on me here in a little bit. Um, number two is Terry McGinnis. So, Alex, you had Terry Ooh. McGinnis number one. Marshall, you had Terry McGinnis number one. I had a mate. Let me, let me, let me, all right. Let me explain where I'm coming from on this. Um, first, first of all, let me just be very clear. Like, I do like the character. I want to be really clear about that. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, and listen, Boy Meets World was one of my favorite TV shows growing up. So I appreciate Will Ferdell as the voiceover. Mm-hmm. Um, here's how. Here's why I had him ranked, and not I didn't have him super low. Um, like we talked about, it's a, it's a stacked list, but it's very it's very simple. I I know a lot of people love Bab and Beyond, as I'm sure you two clearly do by virtue of this ranking. Um, and I know for years fans have been salivate for a Batman Beyond movie. I get it. I tried really hard as a kid to get into Batman Beyond, but it just never connected for me. I I always I always felt like they weighed in too heavily on the futuristic elements of the show. Like it just got a little too sci-fi for me at times. It just, it just did not feel like a continuation of the Batman animated series um, or that Gotham city. It just, it always felt a little out of place for me. So that's why, so Terry McGinnis's ranking was weighed down because of that, that that's my reasoning, even though my favorite part of the Batman beyond show was the mentorship of the older Bruce Wayne to Terry. Um, but even then I was still like a little bit more connected to Bruce Wayne there and probably not enough to Terry McGinnis. Um, I mentioned the Batman beyond return of the Joker movie earlier, which I think is a great movie, but why is it a great movie? Because that flashback scene is incredible in my opinion. Um, so that's it. It's really that simple. I was just never into Batman beyond. I, I will say this. 
and I've been thinking about this for years. I do at one I do want to give it another chance at some point. I, I this, like legitimately I want to revisit this series. But look, you guys, I know you had him with number one, but he got number two here. I mean, come on, he beat out some impressive names. So again, I know you guys have them both number one. Um, I will cede the rest of my time to you both. And again, I like the Terry McGinnis character, just number eight for me. That's all. Um, Marshall, go for it. Why is Terry McGinnis numero uno for you on this list? What why am I an idiot? There's no one I'd rather see in a live action film from this list than Terry McGinnis. Um and 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 the Batman Beyond world. The world building of Batman Beyond is just one of the one of one of the favorite things of of my experience with Batman, whether it be from the animated series or this sequel series, which is how I consider it. It's it's really easy for you to connect to uh, Batman in the sequel series because Kevin Conroy is the GOAT and he steals every scene that he's in. And there's no way for you to not have that nostalgia seeing him in this role. But Terry McGinnis is the most compelling character possibly ever conceived in the Bat family. If we're going to consider him part of the Bat family, like to know, to know what happens with Terry McGinnis or what he really is, is just it's it, it's it's like it's like mid credit scene type shit. You know what I mean? This is like something that they could do that would light everyone on fire to 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 just have that. And of course, there are people who already know, but then just to see it live, get this complete universal shift of a time skip for the universe. Give it to me. Give it to me. Inject it into my veins. I will insert it anally. I'll do anything that you guys want me to do. I don't care. Give it to me now so that I can enjoy it. And Terry McGinnis is at the forefront. And this, it would, I would, I would, I would shit myself today. If I heard that there was a Batman beyond movie in development, I will listen to my, I mean, to the arguments I've been making here on why I rank some of these characters higher um, than some of the other ones. I mean, it, look, the world of Batman beyond and doing that, uh, I mean, it's definitely something new to the table in the world of Batman. I, I will give you that. Um, Alex, number one for you as well. Go for it. Terry McGinnis. I mean, here's the thing. Batman, but in the future, is a strong enough premise on its own, right? That's If they only did that, it would be like a, everyone would love it. It would be like a, a generational favorite, right? It's Batman, but it's future. Who, who wouldn't love that? But they actually took the time to build a really compelling character and make him feel not like a Robin, not like Nightwing, mm-hmm. not like one of these other characters where he's like, he's Batman's like little buddy who gets, who's trying to be just like him. He he really feels like his own character. He feels like Batman. He carries that mantle. He believes that he deserves that mantle by the end of that series. And and I think he's just such a compelling character. And there's so much there, like like Marshall said, in terms of the lore and all that stuff. But there's just so much there in the, in the characterization of him as this reliable guy. He's like a teenager. He's in high school when he starts out and you, and you grow with him over time. And there's just... There's just so much potential there. I think that I would be worried that if they wanted to do him in a series, that it would be kind of like he's Batman from the future and he comes to our present to like warn us about something. And I wouldn't necessarily <sighs> want that. Like, let's go into the future, see what future Gotham is like. There's so much potential for really cool kind of production design and, and aesthetics there. The suit is so great. Like, we didn't really talk that much about mm-hmm. character design on this show, which I that think is, true. is probably – cool a mistake because some of these character designs are awesome and some of them not so much but I think the suit the Batman Begins suit is excellent Harvey Bullock suit is incredible (laughs) like I just 
It's hard, it's hard to top that. It's true. Well, that's, I mean, that's why I got number the two. The hard-boiled cop is trying to make it in the world of Gotham City. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. If you're a cop in Gotham City, I think you got to look at yourself in the mirror at the very start of things. But anyway, so <laughs> Terry McGinnis as Batman Begins, he's got a great, he's got a great look. He's got great potential. He's got an interesting world. I just would love to see this. And I think everyone else would too. And what's really nice about it is that you also get an older Bruce Wayne who mm. isn't like just a fat who killed Superman, which is all the other versions of old Bruce Wayne that we've gotten. He's just a grumpy old man. And I like that as well. Like, I do, we don't need him to have gone over the edge and become dark, gr- gr- like brutal Bruce Wayne. It's just like he got old and he couldn't do it anymore. He gave himself a heart attack. And now he has to kind of live with that, like live with his limitations, but without becoming a fascist. And that's nice, right? I, I like that there's a possibility out there that Bruce could have could have just gotten old and grumpy but didn't become kind of evil by the end of things so there's i like that about that continuity as well i feel like uh i feel like all the goodwill i built up with uh harvey bullock fans i'm gonna lose uh for my ranking of terry mcginnis and i on let me say this like too i really marshall hit the nail on the head too he used the word nostalgia and i think that was my problem watching this series when i was a kid i was just like I'm just focused on the on Bruce Wayne on Batman. Like I don't, I don't care about this other guy. Like I, I want I want the Batman. And I think if I watch this, and I, I've seriously, I'm not just saying this on the pot. Like I've been meaning to revisit this show for a long time. Hell, I might even throw on an episode like later this later tonight. Um, because I do, I really want to because. The idea of like Blade Runner in the world of Batman like should appeal to me. Um, so I feel like I need to give this series another chance, and I do think as an adult I would like it a lot more. Um, and you guys have definitely intrigued me a lot more with the world of Terry McGinnis, and so I can tell both of you really want this Batman Beyond movie, and I'll just I'll throw out a director there who I think could do a great job. But let's just let's get Denny Villain a wave, you know, Mister Blade Runner himself, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think he'd make a hell of a Batman Beyond movie. Um, but yeah, so listen, but again, like I said, in a stacked list like this, I know you guys both had a number one, but finishing number two is pretty impressive as we go yeah. on to number one and come on was there ever was there ever any doubt it's night so i mean yeah, I, yeah there was doubt you both had them too i had yeah. a, i had a number one um he crushed it but yes uh we here's the thing so nightwing yes we've seen dick we've seen the character twice as robin um, but they were both essentially like kind of comedic roles. I, I mean, well, I, I'll give Chris O'Donnell a little more credit than that. I, I do. I'll, I'll say this though: when we did our bad family rankings, I'm pretty sure I had Bird Ward as like number three. So, and look, I've listen. I've talked numerous times how important the '60s Batman is to me, and in particular, Bert Ward's performance in that show and movie. So, I appreciate his performance, and I do, and I do enjoy Chris O'Donnell as Robin in Batman Forever. Um, but uh, but enough is enough. We need to see a focused serious take on dick grayson aside from alfred he's probably the most important supporting batman character there is he's the original sidekick he's the one that started it all the the first true member of the bat family and we put and we and we put him on this list because we all want to see nightwing i've always liked the idea of batman's ward striking out on his own establishing himself in a new city and also dealing with the pressure of living up to that legend. You know, listen, this is this is like the superhero version of Tom Brady leaving Belichick and the Patriots to play for Tampa Bay. Like he's he's is gonna it? establish his own <laughs> Absolutely. He's gonna establish his own identity and he's gonna take the best lessons from Batman, but also forge his own lessons. Also just like quite simply 
Nightwing is just a badass. The costume is cool as hell. He uses clubs as weapons. He's kind of like, I, this is kind of how I've always thought of him. He's kind of like the DC version of Daredevil. Just this visceral, street-level character. I do, so I think at one point, the Lego Batman movie writers and director were going to helm a Nightwing project. And I, and listen again, I think what those guys did with the Lego Batman movie was great. It's just, it's not the energy I would want from a Nightwing movie. And to be fair to them, maybe their version was a serious take. I I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I think a Nightwing movie, I think a Nightwing movie should have that daredevil Netflix vibe. That's me. Get gritty, get intense. Let's go. He was kind of easily my number one character here. Um, Alex, we've talked about it in previous podcasts, so we want a Nightwing movie, so I I know you agree. Well, I agree that I would like to see a Nightwing movie. I don't necessarily agree that we need a dark and gritty Nightwing movie, because, uh, I mean, we saw what, like, that was basically the pitch for Titan titans the tv show uh they're like it's gonna be dick grayson but he's gonna say fuck batman and then and, and kill somebody with a stick or whatever in the pilot and that show evolved seven different times before it wrapped up but uh i think that ultimately i don't necessarily need to see him be hard and and brutal because i think what's what i think the best part of the dick grayson character is is that he is kind of the prodigal son right he is the guy who has who wants to live up to this idealized image of Batman that he has in his head from when he was 12 and Batman took him in and taught him how to be a person and he was this idol to him but he also is this person that like Bruce has didn't know what the hell he was doing when he got into this and so he's had to he piled so much emotional baggage onto Dick that he that Dick has to kind of climb his way out of and figure out how do I see Bruce as a real person how do I decide where I start and he ends in this kind of relationship which could sometimes be very toxic and could sometimes be very loving and supportive and how do i strike out on my own and underneath all the weight of all of that and be my own kind of hero and i love that as an arc for a character and i don't think you need to be dark and gritty to tell that you don't need to have a lot of jokes in it either there's a wide wide spectrum in between dark and gritty and super comedic <laughs> and i that's somewhere in the middle of that is where i would like to see the dick grayson story and i and i think that it really has a lot of potential as nightwing and and i can't wait to see it yeah no i think that's fair i i guess i see i the, the word gritty comes to mind for me is just because and again i don't know a ton about like the bloodhaven lore in the comic books but when i just like when i just hear the name of the city bloodhaven i just i do i think street level i think gritty yeah i think those kind of vibes well doesn't necessarily have to be the whole idea of bloodhaven the whole idea of bloodhaven was like like when dick struck out on his own he wanted to prove himself that he could be as 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 big of a, a imposing force as batman could do as much good as batman so he went to bloodhaven which had like even worse crime records than gotham mm, did yeah. it was even more okay. of a dangerous city but the point of him was not to be even more brutal than batman it was to do it his own way to build his own code to find his own way of existing in this really tough environment that he placed himself in so i don't think it needs to necessarily be a lot of blood and guts and gore and swear to me you know kind of vibe i'm not saying he's got to do that like i don't think you got to make i don't think you got to make the character of nightwing like this you know like dark greedy character but i just think the environment around him i think that would be interesting i th- that's what i'm really trying to hit home here um but i think to like also um Marshall, go ahead and close it out. Uh, Nightwing, you you have, you have, you of course had him number two, so very high as well. Go for it. Yeah, I just think he's cool. 
Um, he's 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 the prodigal, like the, like we said, the prodigal. And it's so funny, right? Because uh, for most people who consider themselves to be the oldest or are the oldest in their family, they're usually like the most responsible. But clearly, parents didn't know what the hell they were doing. And I I, I really like that comparison from uh, from Alex, where it's just like, hey, Nightwings, he needs to go off and figure himself out because he didn't have the the the, the structure of guidance that a lot of the other members of the Bat family had. And I just think he's cool. He's got the he's got the coolest outfit. He's got the coolest costume. Yeah, he uses the screaming sticks. I don't really care for the Daredevil um, gritty comparison either, just from a sense that I, I feel like when everything's trying to be gritty, nothing is. So I think I'm a little grittied out and I kind of want to see, you know, this character basically set his own tone and not and not and not try to emulate something else, because I feel like that is the the essence of the character is finding himself and finding his own way and finding uh, to Alex's point. Like, I'm just parroting a couple of things, but that's because that's what it is. And like I said, when me and Alex agree, we're right. I, hey, listen, I, you know, I, 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 you're really hammering me on the gritty thing. Listen, that's okay. I'll stand alone on my tone for this for this uh, movie, <laughs> along with my Harvey Bullock take. It's all good. All good. I'll just put it right up there with my BVS take. What's it, what's right. it like oh. to be wrong, Dan? I think that's what me and Marshall <laughs> want to know. Uh, listen, I, I deal with it every day. All righty. Um, well, that's it. That is that is the list. This is a great list. There is listen. There is yeah. no shortage of great characters to choose from. Like yeah. I listen. Tim Drake got last, but I like. I don't think there's like there's like no stinkers here. Um. So let me go ahead. I will. I will go ahead and do a final recap of the official list here. I will go from best to worst. All right. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Number one, Nightwing. Number two, Terry McGinnis. Number three, Barbara Gordon. Tied for fourth, Damian Wayne, as well as um Jean Paul Valley. Number six, Luke Fox. Number seven, Stephanie Brown. Number eight, Kate Kane. Number nine, Jason Todd. Tied for 10th, we've got Harvey Bullock and Helena Wayne. And then, of course, finishing last at 12th is uh, Tim Drake. So listen, aside from Harley, Harvey Bullock's ranking, this is a great list. We did it. Great job. Everybody. There's a whole um, generation of 90s kids who Tim Drake is their Robin, and they're going to be very upset with us. <laughs> you think, so actually, that's an interesting question. So do you think, what what do you think people listening to this would be most irritated by? Is it Tim Drake getting last place? Tim Drake getting last place is really rough. I think that that's going to take us uh, a little while to dig out from underneath. Yeah. There's All a right, whole we'll generation wait. of kids who have no idea who Harvey Bullock is. I think oh, almost listen, every generation well, of kids have no idea who Harvey Bullock is. <laughs> well, listen, it was like, you can send you can send all the hate mail my way uh, because it was my ranking of Harvey Bullock number two. Why Tim Drake finished last? So just send it all my way; it's all fine. Um, but all right, that is the list. Great job, great list. That was a fun one. Um, we can go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, let's do some plugs. Marshall, what do you got to plug? Go for it. Floor is yours. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate you. Check us out on the popbreak.com. We got a, 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 a something of a Thanksgiving episode coming out in a couple of days. I uh, got that over to Alex earlier. Shout out to Alex. Shout out to everybody on the site. You can find me at the Okami Council on X, Twitter, whatever you call it. I'm going to call it Twitter because his mama called it Twitter. But otherwise, uh, hopefully everyone has a great holiday. And um, yeah, just be safe out here. Great, great. Alex, go for it. I know you got stuff to plug on the popbreak.com. Yeah, so you can, I'm the podcast director at thepopbreak.com, so you can go to thepopbreak.com, click on the podcast tab, see all of the podcasts that we got cooking, like Marshall's, for instance. 
for me, I'm hosting uh, this month's TV break, uh, which is our year in review episode where we talk about the best shows, biggest news stories and and most impressive streaming services of the year. So that's always a fun mm-hmm. conversation. Uh, also, uh, Bill versus the MCU, where we got through our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season uh, and now we are checking in on phase five of the MCU this month. Uh, and that is going to be a conversation about Secret Invasion, Loki, season two, and the Marvels. And then me and Bill, we got a lot to say about all of those things. Some of them good things, nice. some of them bad things. So can't wait for people to hear that. Um, and then next month we're going to be doing um, the Feige's, which is our annual uh, award show where we give out lots of fun uh, awards, some serious and some silly. So definitely check that out as well next month. Um, you can also follow me on Letterboxd at Media Thinkings to check out what I am um, thinking about different movies. I'm no longer on X, uh, but I am on Blue Sky at Alex Marcus on Blue Sky. So you check me out over there as well. And I was just recently on uh, Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones, which was uh, it's a really cool MCU related uh, podcast uh, that I was very happy to guest on uh, talking about Loki season two and the Marvels and also just the wider state of the MCU, which everyone wants to hear about these days. So you can check out that podcast as well. Good stuff. Um, and yeah, you can you can find me on Twitter, X, whatever it is. Um, I'm at D. Cohen Writer. Again, that's at D. Cohen Writer. Um, certainly check out some of our past episodes if you haven't already. Um, I always do this. I plug our pilot episode that we did, oh man, over way, well over a year ago now. Uh, but I'll, I'll still plug it. It's uh, it's me, it's Alex, it's Bill Bakken. We're ranking all the Batman movies. It's a really great discussion. Um, some of our also are great recent episodes. Um, like I mentioned, I alluded to this one earlier. Um, we have a monumental six-person panel ranking uh, the six, uh, I think it was six, or whatever, all the Batman actors in the movies. Um, it's a really good episode. Um, and then, yeah, and also last month uh, for Halloween, uh, we did a discussion on the long halloween the two-part animated movie um so yeah please please go check out some of our past episodes of batman by the numbers i'll do a little tease for next month as well uh we will be discussing aquaman it will be our aquaman review and also just kind of like a state of the union on the dceu following aquaman where do we go from here you know we've talked a lot about james gunn in this podcast and look maybe we'll allude to some of this stuff too you know what characters we want to see going forward into the dceu we certainly covered a lot of that in this this episode as well so yeah it will be a great episode uh We'll be talking Aquaman and then also just like, where do we go from here with the DCEU um, or, you know, the new DC universe, you know, whatever, whatever we're going to get here coming up in the next few years. Uh, so that'll be very, very exciting stuff. Uh, so, yes, uh, I will also echo happy Thanksgiving. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye.